Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of How to College First Gen, the show where we have real conversations with fellow first gen students about their journeys to, through, and post-college. I'm Amanda, your host this week, and today's episode is all about remote work. I'm joined today by a special guest, Ryan Angelo. Ryan is a 2017 graduate of Kenyon College, where he was a first-generation college student and studied physics. He then worked full-time as a process engineer while pursuing a master's degree in mechanical engineering from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, and graduated with his master's in 2021. Currently, Ryan is a process engineer for Wood Group USA, an engineering consulting firm. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, a little fun fact for our audience, Ryan and I are actually married, and we are in fact recording this together from our house. Um, and so as today's discussion does center around remote work, we'll dive deeper into what remote work looks like for Ryan in his day-to-day -day and also in his career. But also want to mention that Ryan and I both work from home together. So our days tend to be a bit interesting. So we may touch a little bit on that too. Uh, but we definitely do have our separate office spaces. Um, I know I already gave a little bit of an overview about your college journey, but Ryan, again, thank you for being here. And let's just start with an introduction of you. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your educational journey? Sure. Uh, so as you know, I went to public high school, um, probably very average school by uh, most standards, um, fairly nondescript. Um, high school went, uh, went pretty smooth. It was actually pretty easy for me. Um, it, uh, through high school, it helped actually open up a lot of doors for college. Um, had a lot of opportunities coming out of high school and had to think about what I really wanted to do quite a bit. Ended up deciding on a uh, small liberal arts school called Kenyon College out in rural Ohio, um, where I went uh, and studied physics for four years. Wonderful. Um, and while you were at Kenyon, I know this, but our listeners don't know that you were also on the football team. And um, can you just tell us a little bit of what that was like in playing college athletics and if at all that has helped you um, in your career today? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So I did not pick the school because of football. I played football while having the opportunity to go to school there. Um, so I knew coming out of high school that I wanted to go to a, um, a relatively prestigious school. I know that's a whole separate thing to talk about. Um, so I narrowed down my list of about two, three, four schools that I thought fit some criteria to me. And I happened to have the opportunity to play football there as well. Um, so I ended up picking Kenyon College for that because I thought it was the right combination of places that took education quite seriously. Uh, in combination of balancing that with athletics, which I do think is very important and was critical to my development uh, through high school, through college, and to now still. Um, 
whether it helped me in college uh, is up for debate. It was really demanding. We were a very small school, very small team, and we weren't very good. Uh, but we took it just as serious as every other team out there. So it was incredibly time-consuming and exhausting. Um, so it helped by keeping me on track. Uh, I had friends day one of classes. Every class I went to, I knew someone in. Um, I was friends with older kids. They could tell me what professors to take and what not to take. Um, always had someone to study with. Uh, and always had someone you were falling behind with as well. So, again, up for debate whether or not that really helped me through college. But overall in life and graduating from undergrad, Moving on into the professional field, I think it absolutely gave me a leg up. Um, I work longer, a little bit of a competitive edge to the workplace, which I think is good to have. I think it's a little healthy to try and have the mindset that you want to be good at whatever it is you're doing. So since college, I think spending my time as an athlete there has certainly helped me uh, quite a bit uh, in my growth as far as getting to where I'm at now. That's awesome. Um, and so, so it sounds like definitely – you mentioned the competitiveness and just being able to have a lot on your plate and kind of um, thriving through that, it really helps. Were there any other um, types of maybe skills or experiences that, whether it is maybe networking experience or just anything at all within your time as a college athlete that you see beneficial now in your career? As a college athlete, um there wasn't much in the sense of any hard skills, but soft skills, absolutely. Again, I think communication skills and team working are uh, probably incredibly important in every line of business, if not certainly 90% of line of, or of, of industries. Um, you know, so I already had that um, experience with dealing with 40, 50, 60 different personalities at any given time, having to manage them. How do you, um, when you ask someone a question or tell someone to do something, you have to phrase it differently to people to get them to react how you want. We had to do that at football. There's different coaching methods. There's different learning methods. There's different ways of communicating with your coworkers and your teammates. It all kind of plays the same. Uh, so that's probably the biggest soft skill that came from playing football and, and, and sports. Uh, that's not to say that sports is the only place you can get that from. It's just that happened to be where I got it from. Um, and that's how I've seen that translate. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for elaborating on that. And... I know you touched on this a little bit in terms of um, having options outside of high school and kind of looking more so at the academics rather than the athletics, but in Kenyon College is a liberal arts institution. While as, as a high school student, did you know that it was a liberal arts institution? Were you, were you only looking at liberal arts colleges or kind of when did that occur in terms of um, looking at a liberal arts school versus another type of school or was that was that of importance or was that not of, of importance so i was pretty ignorant as far as what a liberal arts school was i knew that kenyon college was a liberal arts school and that i'd go there and i'd still major in physics a very science related field and get a bachelor of arts in physics um so knowing that what i thought at the time i thought just a liberal arts school was a was just a generic title uh, or some place that they wanted to self-identify, some places wanted to be recognized as, as that to be more appealing to a certain student base. Um, so knowing that it was a liberal arts school going into it did not play uh, an important fact to me um, or factor. The Even throughout college, I didn't really realize how much of a 
different college experience or curriculum my liberal arts degree was compared to someone who has not gone to a liberal arts school. Um, so same thing, just like in high school coming through college, I thought me saying, oh, my, you know, I'm getting a liberal arts degree. I'm getting a degree in physics. I'm, I'm taking these classes. And a lot of my classes were similar to people at other schools. But the way that we scheduled classes and the diversity of types of classes we took were way off. It wasn't until after college, after undergrad, I should say, when I started working full time as an engineer uh, with a bunch of other engineers who all went to giant universities, four year universities, got their bachelor's of science in so and so engineering, and all had the same exact rigid schedule um, curriculum as everyone else did at every other school. And hearing what their classes were like compared to ours. Um, you know, there are people who went to a couple schools that wanted to, thought they wanted to do chemical engineering, didn't actually take any core chemical engineering classes until their junior year because they were taking prereqs, uh, so junior or freshman and sophomore year. Um, so by the time they found out they didn't even like it, it was too late for them to switch or they felt that it was that way. Um, whereas uh, the liberal arts school, there really aren't prereqs. You have classes in your major that you have to take and then you have classes in the, you know, in, in, in the humanities and the social sciences and the physical sciences. And there's just a cluster of classes you have to take in each and you take them when you want to take them. And it works out that each semester you end up taking one to two classes in your major, one class in a totally unrelated field, one class in a semi-related field, for example, myself as being math or something like that. So I was full speed ahead in my major kind of right away while also getting experience of that diversity of classes. Again, I took art classes, history classes, um, what else did I take? Psychology classes, um, all kinds of classes through there. So I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> no, I think, I, I'm not exactly sure where you're going with that either, <laughs> but it is really helpful to hear just kind of that, your perspective of attending a, a liberal arts education and oh. not exactly knowing that that would be your experience going into it from high school, but then kind of looking at it after the fact now, after having graduated, after have experiencing it, seeing where there may have been benefits, where there were differences from other um, other types of schools. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remembered where I lost myself. <laughs> I started to go off on a tangent about <laughs> curriculum and I got a little okay. too specific on that, but I wanted to tie it back to when I found out what my coworkers and peers, what their curriculums were like and what their college experience and learning experience was compared to mine. I felt very lucky. I felt like I developed a lot of skills that they did not. And it is those soft skills. Uh, it's not the hard skills, you know, go, going into the field of engineering, again, a very technical thing. The engineering manager is going to look to hire people with engineering degrees because they learned to do this equation and this equation and this equation, and they took this class and they have this textbook. Um, I was not as appealing as a hire coming out of college. Fortunately, I happened to get hook up with hooked up in an internship that worked out really well for me um but in general even you know someone now who reviews resumes we don't take resumes that don't have engineering degrees on them and it's such a rigid structure because everyone knows what you're taking so i had a larger learning curve coming into my profession than most people did but i felt like within six months of that i have already exceeded their um, level of experience just by my ability to pick up things in the workplace. Um, a lot of those soft skills translated to me working well on teams at work, people wanting to work with me, me wanting to work with them. 
uh, probably the biggest thing I could say, biggest skill that I got from that liberal arts experience was actually the, the communication skills. Um, Kenyon College was super heavy focused on writing. In my physics class, we were routinely writing 10, 20, 25 page papers uh, in physics class. Um, taking that skill and, you know, in my experience, just learning how to write an email and write it appropriately and give the correct information and use correct grammar and write that in an appropriate way that impresses people. There are people in the professional world that have really been impressed just by how emails are written. Doing all those small things pushed me towards getting the big experience that I didn't have from, from, from undergrad. You know, I didn't take a, a specific class on mechanical engineering to learn how gears work, but that's not something, that's something that a coworker could able to teach me in four hours sitting down at work. And I think that I had the soft skills from my liberal arts degree to absorb that information well and critically think and apply it to whatever problem I had going on. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, and I think that's a perfect segue in in getting your background and your context in terms of your um, your education, but then kind of trans kind of translating it into the workplace. Um, as as today's episode does focus on remote work, and um, you currently work from home and work remotely. Um, and can you just tell us a little bit about, so I know, and for our audience, Ryan um, was working in person, primarily at a job site um, prior to COVID. So can you just tell us a little bit about that role? It was your first role outside of undergrad. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that experience working in person and then kind of what that was like for you during the transition um, during COVID? Sure. Yeah. So my, uh, I'll go through my work history real quick as a little bit of a background to kind of set the scene a little bit. So first out of um, undergrad, I started working as a process engineer um, for a large um, engineering firm. Um, we did specifically engineering consulting. Um, so my company and myself, we were not building anything. We were designing the stuff and handing it over to construction firms to build. So we were all sitting in a business casual sitting in business schedule tire and cubicles in some office building. And that's, that's what our work was. Um, and a couple months after I got there, there was a client of ours who actually was looking for support at their construction site and their manufacturing site, um, where my company did some work in the past. Um, so I accepted and, and chose to do that. Thought it'd be a good, good bit of experience as someone who was young. And it was supposed to be uh, three month rotations, and I ended up being there for three and a half years because uh, I actually it was a, a positive experience. So I spent two years working on site, Amanda, as you just said, and then that was from late 2017 to late 2019. And then we all know around January, February 2020 was when the pandemic hit. Um, so at that time, when it when it really first uh, really first came on strong, they sent everyone home, said. Okay, only critical personnel on site only. Um, and I was working for a drug manufacturer, uh, so they couldn't shut down operations. They still had to have people there, but they really sent everyone non-critical home, which included me. I was a non-critical personnel. So for the first two, three months of COVID, uh, worked from home basically full time. And then next month or two after that, started going back one or two days a week. And then probably by middle of 2020, I think it was, I was probably back on site nearly full time by that time again. Um, I loved working on site. Again, there was a reason why this three month rotation turned into three and a half years. Uh, I like 
working my hands. I like talking with people. So going home the first time in 2020 um, was a bit of a challenge. Uh, I was working at the kitchen table, um, didn't really feel productive. Uh, I kept getting distracted by wanting to do the dishes and wanting to do this. And then, you know, you have your TV four feet away from you. Nobody's watching what you're doing. It's really tempting and really, really hard to stay focused, especially for someone like me, where I need that social interaction. I need to be talking to people. I need to, that's where I'm most productive is in that setting. So when I kind of lost that, it was, it was a little challenging. So when I got the call to go back in the office, I was all for it. I was excited for it. I said, yeah, whenever you need me back on site, I'll go. Um, and, uh, but it wasn't all bad working from home. I did adjust to it a little bit. Um, and I know that I had several coworkers that really, really enjoyed it. They said they were far more productive because they were able to work in their own setting. They were able to work at their own pace. They had all their own resources around them and that I got, that just wasn't it for me. So, and that, uh, you want me to keep going? Yeah, I guess we can keep going. Um, just to kind of summarize that too, I think, I think that is, um, just that last piece you said too, which thanks for sharing your context is helpful, um, to kind of go through your work history. But I think that last piece is really interesting and important too, in that it, it just depends on your work style of if you're, if you enjoy working from home and if you don't, I know, um, like you mentioned, you're the type of person that needs that, that human interaction needs to talk with others. Um, Whereas on my end, I, I love having my space. I love um, being in my own environment and really enjoy working from home. Um, and so, yeah, it, if you want to keep going, um, I, know, I know your current job is fully remote. So if you want to talk a little bit about that, tran- that transition from working remotely to then going back into person and then now full, fully working remotely. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's where I was headed. And I keep getting a little, little derailed with tangents. Um, <laughs> But so in January 2021, I switched jobs, um, doing the same thing, still process engineer, uh, working for a large engineering consulting firm, just actually switched to a competitor of ours. Um, and that happened again, uh, January 2021. And uh, they were also remote full time. Um, so starting in January 2021, uh, where, you know, a couple months before that, I was working on site again, went back to being working from home every day of the week. Um, that was, uh, again, same challenges as the first time around. It was um, sometimes a little hard to get motivated. It was kind of made up by the fact that I knew a lot of my coworkers coming into it. A lot of them switched with me from the previous spot. So I had friends at this working place. Um, but I saw a couple peers around me that were challenging getting brought up to speed because they didn't know what they were missing out on because a lot of the conversations that happen organically um, are sometimes the best ones. Uh, when you're sitting in an office and you hear two people not next to you talking about a topic, for you to literally take out your headphones and put the pen down and sit back and listen is how a lot of organic learning happens. Um, so fortunately, I knew what to look for for those things, and I actively sought out those types of conversations, even remote. Um, and what really helped was finally getting brave enough to just cold call people uh, through Microsoft Teams. Instead of doing everything via email or through messages, it's just if I saw they were available, give them a call and, and talk for half an hour. Half of it's about work, half of it's not. So that was good for me. But I saw a lot of challenges with, with especially people who were hired during the pandemic and never saw what that in-office experience was like. Um, 
and half of them didn't even know what they were missing out on. They didn't. They don't know what pace they should be learning at. Um, so I tried to share with them as much as I could, and it's been remote full time since I started there since 2021. And there are good times and bad times. There are times where I'm great and it's happy and things that are awesome. Like it let me and you move back closer to our parents. Yeah. Um, I live six hours away from my office right now. I go back once a month. But uh, so that aspect's awesome, right? We're home for all our nieces and nephews' birthday parties. We're uh, you know I'm home for every holiday. We don't have to plan to make a weekend <laughs> travel to come home for Thanksgiving. So those are some perks that are really it's it's hard to surpass those. Um, but I find myself also going a little stir crazy and feel like I'm missing out a little bit, especially now that uh, in the last couple months people in my office have slowly started coming back in one or two days a week, um, and it'll be a group of ten or twelve people. And I'll hear their conversations or I'll join a meeting and I'm the only one that's not there and it, I, I feel rather left out. And sometimes it makes me feel a little crazy or like I'm being unproductive. Excuse me, unproductive. So it's um, it comes and goes in waves. Um, I'm for the most part adjusted. I think I am relatively productive at work. Um, but in summary, if, if I had the option of going back um, to a local office, I would, but not at the expense of living close to family. And you touched on this a little bit in terms of just cold calling people through Teams, um, but have you found other ways to build relationships with those co-workers that you didn't previously know? Um, it's related to that, yes and no. So the, the co-workers that I haven't known, I've, I've actively tried to make those relationships by when there was a work excuse to give them a call then I would do it. And I would make sure that during that work excuse, if they had some extra time, as you can tell, I like to talk, I'd go off in tangents. And I would make sure that to, to work in a little bit of personal conversations into those. And over time, because I've been there almost two years now, there are a number of people that I've developed very close relationships with that I did not know at all, that I did not originally start just by cold calling them. It took work. There was active effort and a plan to um, you know, almost a psychology to it too. Okay. Uh, I know that they're reviewing this document for me. They just emailed it back to me. Why don't I say, Hey, can we go over this together and set up, you know, a two hour call where, you know, I'm making sure during that I'm actually asking how things are going at home, asking about their personal life mm -hmm. and it's intertwined together. Um, so by kind of carefully navigating that minefield, um, I got to the point where most people right now, I have no problem calling them at this point if I've known them for, for more than six months or so. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and yeah, just to that point, I think, I think that's a really cool way to approach it because as you mentioned before too, you don't have just those kind of organic in-person conversations that you may overhear and, and have. And so really making an effort to build those relationships, I think is important. Um, in terms of your actual kind of, work and also just not your day-to-day -day work and your current work, but looking at like your longevity and your professional development, has working remotely had an effect on your professional development, do you think? Um, Whether it's positive or negative or no really effect at all? That's a good question. I don't think it has yet because, and I say yet, because when I switched in 20, January 2021, um, even though it's the same position, same line of business, just going to direct competitor. Um, 
one of the conditions of my switch I told him was I want experience doing X, Y, and Z. I haven't done any of that for the first five years of my career. I want to do that. If I'm going to come over, I'd like to see these opportunities. And they said, yes, we'll, we'll track those down. We'll put you in those positions. And they have delivered so far for these two years. And I just had my year in review. And my one feedback to my boss was, you guys have done a great job putting me in a position that is um, challenging but not overwhelming. But again, that was a spot that I actively had to seek out and request and say, hey, I want these things that will challenge me. So because I've been doing so much new stuff for the past two years, I feel like I've grown about as fast as I would if I were in an office. But at some point, there's going to stop being these brand new fields for me to actively seek out and learn in. Um, and then I'm going to hit this, I, I foresee, I think I'm going to hit this model of slow growth that'll feel rather stunted to me. Um, and I'm not looking forward to that. And I don't think it's going to happen in the near future. I think it's, it's probably something that's more than three, four, five years away. Uh, but, but I would be surprised if five years from now, I wasn't banging my head off the wall. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for that. And in terms of, and I know remote work now has seen, um, kind of a shift since the pandemic and, um, a lot of, a lot of jobs like yours that traditionally wasn't, wasn't virtual, wasn't remote work now is, or is a hybrid model. Um, and so a lot of recent or even um, upcoming college graduates who are starting to look for those first jobs may find themselves in a remote work environment, not thinking that the field that they initially went into would be in a remote work environment. So um, what's some advice that, that you have to those um, college graduates that are starting their first career roles in a, work, a, re a remote work environment? Yeah, so I know I said some negative things overall about working <laughs> from home, but my advice would be simply don't be afraid of it, um, but don't actively seek it out. Um, look for the job you want based on the job description. Um, don't really pay attention to whether it's remote or home or remote or on site unless it's your dream job, like for example, you know, process engineer. And it's for a firm that's six hours away and it's the only place you can get a job that's remote, then that's awesome. Then by all means, take advantage of that being remote. Don't worry about finding something local. Um, but the advice would be ask as many questions as you can. If you find yourself working remote and you don't love it, ask for opportunities to come back in person or to see people. Uh, I have a lot of friends in a lot of different industries, totally unrelated to mine. And everyone who's been remote has had opportunities uh, to come back in person if they've wanted, um, either by getting some experience and switching to a direct competitor or by looking at a different office. Um, so don't get tuned in too much to whether you say, I want to work in a home office or I want to work in an office building. Um, I think that will work itself out, especially when you're young, you're 21, 22, 23. I think the best thing to do is be open to job opportunities. So you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into something by making it geographically based. Some really good advice. Um, and for those who have been in the workforce, maybe let's say for more than five years, do you think that advice is your advice? Would your advice be different? Yeah, I have a hard time with people that are a little bit more senior than me because I haven't met a single person that's over the age of 30 that does not like working from home. Um, 
but I think that goes back to again the learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone was was you know that age, you should I think you should put weight into whether you are remote or not. Um, big example would be what it, you know it might be time to start a family, right? You could obviously start a family anytime you want, but you know if you're 32 and that's what you're looking for at that stage in life then you're going to want to put a different weight on working remote, which you know is, is adjacent to we put weight on living close to our family yeah. versus going back to an office. So I don't know if it's great advice because I, you know, it's, they've seen it more than I have to, to someone that were older than me, but um, I would not fault uh, a, a more experienced person in putting more weight to um, remote versus in person if you know what you want. Wonderful. Um, and I do have just one last question as we wrap up our conversation. Um, and this may be backtracking a tad, but just to tie it back to being a first generation college student, um, you have obviously had very much success in your college journey, in your grad school journey, in your professional life thus far. Um, how has, if it has at all, being a first generation college student affected you, whether it was in high school searching for college opportunities, whether it was your time in undergrad at Kenyon or currently? Yeah, so how much time do I have to answer this question? <laughs> um, but so so going back to my high school days, um, both my parents were born and raised in the same hometown where I was born and raised and went to the same high school. They went to the same high school I did in the same town of 7,000 people. Um, and they both did one semester, I think one of them may have done two total semesters, um, at the, at the local school that was 15 minutes down the road. Um, so they really didn't even have a good grasp for what the college life was like or what the, the, the scenery across the country was. Um, but again, as I, I, I think I was, I had a good amount of success in high school to where, um, I had an older brother that college wasn't really pushed on him as something to do because they didn't see all these opportunities coming in where with me there, they were really pushing me to go, but they were also really open to and trusted anything that I wanted to do. Um, they did not push me to go to any sort of type of school, did not push me to study any sort of degree. Um, so I thought that that was really helpful while also being encouraging of it. Um, you know, when I go to my parents and say, hey, I want to look into this school. They have a really good program in this, this, and this. What they think I want to do? They want to ask questions. They'd be, well, do you want to study there to, to get a, you know, is your, what is your goal coming out of college? Is it to get the best job possible? Is it to, to have learned as much as you can, to have had the most fun? They'd ask those questions to get me to think, but they never argued. So that really helped me feel free in my choices. Um, kind of the... Ignorance is bliss type of thing, right? So, um, and then I, you know, I, I make my own personal decision to go to Kenyon based off really my own information. You know, took trips there, took trips to other schools, talked to friends. And then going through Kenyon was, um, again, it was it was a double, double-edged sword. sword. I think, saying, yeah. <laughs> um, where I didn't really have anyone to guide me and I was kind of just dropped into this rather rigorous school um, on my own saying, Hey, good luck, do well. Uh, we're proud of you regardless of what happens. Um, but also I never had a parent over my shoulder telling me what to study, asking me how I'm doing, checking my grades, making sure I'm studying when I should be studying. I wasn't micromanaged. Like I think a lot of 
Um, what do they call them? People who attended the same school through generations? Legacies, alumni. Yes, legacies. Yeah, yeah. like like you know those uh, a lot of the. A lot of my peers in, at, at Kenyon College were that. A lot of their parents went to Kenyon or very similar schools, and they all did the same exact thing their parents did. They're all doing the same thing their parents do now. Um, so I'm not talking down on it because a lot of them seem very happy. Well, I guess I am talking down on it. <laughs> they seem very happy, but I feel very happy that I feel like I carved my own path, mm-hmm. um, that I was able to do as I, you know, I took advantage of that freedom and encouragement that I received. Wonderful answer. Um, no, that that is so... Um... So good that you did have that support from your parents in terms of... And my great wife, who was my then-girlfriend. <laughs> um, I don't think I was asking you questions, though, of what school you wanted to attend. Um, I, obviously, as a fellow first-gen student, didn't know anything about um, about college search. But, um, no, I think this is, this is wonderful. Um, thank you so much for this conversation and for being this week's guest. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, and so, yeah, just again, um, thank you to our listeners. I think remote work, as I mentioned before, is just a really interesting topic. Is it something that we're seeing more and more of, whether it is completely remote or a hybrid model, or if it is an industry like engineering, like Brian's um, role as a process engineer, where prior to the pandemic, he would be in an office working. And so um, as we're seeing that transition, I think it's important to have those conversations of um of kind of what works well in that environment and again it is really just kind of dependent upon yourself too and your working style and so um yeah that wraps us up for this week and so thank you so much for tuning in and hope you all have a wonderful week